And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company? Locations in South Bend and Warsaw, R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Find them online at rbcarcompany.com. All right, we just heard from the vegetable in chief. We'll get to that here in just a second. Uh, but first, we got to talk about this idiot medical student. Turns out she is actually a medical student. We did the story yesterday. So this medical student says that a patient of hers, as she was working with a patient, did not recognize or mocked her her preferred pronouns. Now, she's got she, her as her preferred pronouns on her name tag, and, and apparently the patient said, what else would you be, and mocked it. So she then tweets out that she, uh, she missed his vein, and she had to stab him a couple of times with a needle in order to go and do his blood work. And she posted about it. The one thing that you can be thankful for is leftists are morons and they don't hide their activism at all, which is why we keep finding all of these teachers who are grooming your kids and, you know, bad potential doctors who are sawing at patients because they don't like their patient. So this is a bit of an update on that. Um, as she was dumb enough to go ahead and post about this stuff, a North Carolina medical student is no longer working directly with patients after uh, she suggested on Twitter that she intentionally stuck a patient twice with a needle for mocking her pronoun pin. The student is not involved in patient care activities at this time, according to Wake Forest School of Medicine. Uh, Tucker Carlson Tonight producer uh, Greg Ray had uh, pest, pressed, pressed, passed all of this on to everybody else earlier. The fourth-year medical student... Kaishel Del Rosario came under fire after complaining in a tweet about a patient's response to her she, her pronoun pin. Now, again, the whole pronoun thing, first of all, we, we tried telling you before. Now, if you have a preferred pronoun that is other than what you look like, you're the only one that should ever wear something like that. Everybody else should just be assumed that they are what they are. And anybody who is a female who then puts she, her as their preferred pronouns, they're just trying to get attention. There's no reason for it whatsoever. That's all it is. It's not showing solidarity with anybody else. It's just trying to get attention. Look at me. I'm important. I'm special. Here's my activism. And that's all it is. Okay? It's not, you know, I had a weird conversation. I don't mean weird, but I had a conversation. It's a little funny. When I was a teenager, the big thing, okay, in this realm was by curious. Do either of you two younglings know what bi-curious is? She does? You? Okay, so they both know what bi-curious is. But I actually had a conversation with somebody yesterday who had never heard of it before. So this is, you know, when you, you're not bisexual, but you're curious. Now, when I was in high school, this is a big thing, all right? So, yeah, I'm bi-curious. And it was just something they would throw out. It's social clout stuff. You know how many times we would try to get the, air quote here, the bi-curious individuals in school to actually live up to the curious part and cross over. You know how many times we would try to do that? You know how often it happened? Zero. Because they're not actually bisexual. It's just something that they were throwing around to get attention, to belong to a group. It's, it's a social clout system. I've told you before that there's going to be a lot of folks who identify in the LGBTQ acronym who are not at all going to be anything other than your traditional standard heterosexual individual. 
but they want to be able to put themselves in that acronym because there's a social clout score that goes into with all of this. It's almost like a social credit score. And that's what we're seeing a lot of. So this person has no business because she's biologically female. She has no business doing the she, her thing. Leave that to the people who there might be a question. Let the rest of us just naturally assume what you are. We don't need to have any kind of guide. We can clearly see what you are. But if you differentiate from that, all right, have your little pin. So this guy mocked it. And as a result, she decided to wound him. There is something uh, called the Hippocratic Oath. I realize that a lot of you nurses and doctors out there have coworkers who have forgotten what the Hippocratic Oath means over the past couple of years, but it still exists. So she goes out there, and of course, she the first thing she has to do, because again, she's an attention seeker, which is why she had that, that whole pronoun badge on anyway. And because she's an attention seeker, she runs to Twitter, and she's got to tell the entire world what she did on behalf of marginalized communities, even though she's not a part of any of those communities. And it's all about getting attention. She got caught because she couldn't keep her mouth shut. Their ego is their biggest weakness. Use it against them. Go on offense. And as a result of her doing that, well, there you go. Libs of TikTok picks it up. Libs of TikTok makes it go viral. And just like that, she's now removed. She's removed for now from dealing with patients. Uh, we'll see ultimately what happens. I assume it's a temporary thing, and they'll put her back with patients, and she'll probably go on to cause all sorts of harm to patients in the future, like so many medical professionals have done throughout the pandemic. But I digress. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what uh, what ends up happening with this. But Wake Forest was forced to respond, so they did. Now, uh, speaking of idiots who can't keep their mouths shut, Joe Biden. Now, Joe Biden, again, has been out there telling you it's not his fault that gas prices were so high is Vladimir Putin's fault. Gas prices were at a seven-year high before Vladimir Putin invaded Ukraine. Gas prices were up 18% Joe Biden's first month in office. By July of his first year in office, gas prices hit that seven-year high and were 40% higher than when he took office. And it all happened because he intentionally went after the energy sector. That is what he did, okay? Just last week, We told you about the latest proposal from the Biden White House. The latest proposal from the Biden White House is to raise taxes on oil and gas companies. So you raise taxes on oil and gas companies, and again, you're going to increase the cost of gasoline. So now he goes out there and he gives this incoherent, stupid little speech, which I'm not going to play you clips of. Uh, Here's the press release you can get at whitehouse.gov. I'll put it in the uh, daily show prep for everybody. And it says Americans facing rising prices at the pump because of Putin's price hike. That's that's the moniker they put on this, Putin's price hike, even though all of it predates Vladimir Putin's actions. All of it. Every single speck. I'm not saying that the conflict in Ukraine doesn't have an impact, but the conflict in Ukraine's impact is far more on food than it is on energy prices. Since Putin accelerated his military buildup around Ukraine, gas prices have increased by nearly a dollar per gallon because of Putin's war of choice. Less oil is getting to market, and the reduction in supply is raising prices at the pump for Americans. Now, if only there was something that we could do to alleviate that supply issue. But we, we, we can't because he stopped it his first day in office. That's the reality. 
I know that you leftists don't want to admit that, but that is the factual reality of our existence. Biden is committed to doing everything in his power to help American families who are now paying out of pocket as a result. Uh, that is why today Biden will announce a two-part plan to ease the pain that families are feeling by increasing the supply of oil starting immediately and achieving lasting American energy independence that reduces demand for oil and bolsters our clean energy economy. What a load of horrendous crap that is. So we're going to boost energy or oil production in the United States. We're going we're gonna to boost that now when we should have never reduced it to begin with, and then we wouldn't be in this situation. And some of you go, yeah, of course we'd still be in the situation, Casey. Global supply of oil. No, no, no. You have to remember something. There was a massive oil war between Russia and OPEC. Okay, so it's basically Russia versus Saudi Arabia. And you didn't really see any wide swings at the gas pump. And the reason for that is the United States kept pumping out oil. We made up the difference. We kept more home instead of putting it on the international market. And that basically inoculated you from those wild swings of gas and energy prices that were seen all over the globe. Why? Because of American energy independence. And now they're talking about achieving lasting American energy independence. We had that until Biden walked into the White House. The moment the former vice president got there, he screwed it all up. And I would like to remind everybody, when oil was negative per barrel, it got down to like negative $36 a barrel. They were paying you to take oil. That's how cheap it was. There was so much supply because of our production that oil was so cheap. It came a time where Trump said, look, multiple presidents have ignored this problem, but our strategic oil reserves keep going down. And, of course, the strategic oil reserve is there to have a strategic backup of oil just in case, I don't know, something like this happens. And so Trump said, oil's never been this cheap before in the history of humankind. We have an opportunity now to go ahead and fill up the entire strategic oil reserve, max it out, not add a little bit, literally max the strategic oil reserve out because they were never going to be oil prices that cheap. He knew it. Everybody else knew it. We'd never seen it before. Good chance we'll never see it again. And he said, let's max this out. Now, there's a problem, though. Congress controls the purse. And the House of Representatives, run by Democrats, stripped it from the bill and said, no, you're not going to fill the strategic oil reserve because that is a bailout of big oil, according to Nancy Pelosi's speech. So right now, they're releasing oil from the strategic oil reserve, which continues to get lower and lower and lower. By the way, it isn't enough to make a difference, just so you're aware. They're not releasing enough to make a difference. The last time the globe released oil, it was 60 million barrels. You know how long that lasts in the United States? Three days. Three days of oil around the globe was released the last time they did this. Wouldn't it be nice if the Democrats led by Nancy Pelosi didn't screw you over several years ago and just allowed Trump to do what was the right thing to do for the national security of this country and fill up their strategic oil reserve? But she didn't because she was playing partisan politics. And as a result, you're getting hosed everywhere. You're getting hosed at the pump. You're getting hosed at the grocery store. Everything costs more to be produced and delivered now, which means everything costs more just because of natural inflation and that snowball effect. All because of Democrat policies, even back under the Trump administration. Don't let them lie to you.
This is 100% in the Democrats' Well, this is 100% in their bed. I was going to say their wheelhouse. They didn't make sense. This is all their fault. Every single speck of this is their fault. Nobody else's. We had an opportunity to prevent anything that Putin did from causing this much chaos in our country, and the Democrats chose not to. Now, again, you have to assume one of two things. One, they're just that stupid. Or two, it's being done on purpose. I think the latter. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you think I should send a bottle of the vegetables to uh, former Vice President Joe Biden? <laughs> I don't even care if you thought that was funny because I, I enjoyed it. All right. <laughs> if you missed the early show today, go to rumble.com slash Casey the host. I thought the early show was good. We made fun of Chris Wallace a lot. So we had a, we had a good time making fun of Chris Wallace today. It was good stuff. So uh, definitely, definitely make sure you go check that out. Hey, if you are going to get a passport here soon, you're going to have another option. It looks like uh, the United States is going to issue gender-neutral passports that will have an X on them. So this is interesting. U.S. citizens will be able to select X as their gender on their U.S. passport application from April 11th, according to the White House. Now, this is just as an aside. I'm not a well-versed international traveler, but what happens, okay, what happens if you go to a country that only recognizes two genders? Does does this impact your ability to get into that country? I don't know. I, I genuinely asking a question. I honestly have no idea how that would work. Because what if they look at you, like, let's say you're going to like Uganda or something like that. Uganda looks at you and goes, what's X? And you don't answer satisfactorily. I mean, this might impact your ability to get into other countries. I don't know. Uh, Of course, I'm sure that you'd have some people going, well, I'm just not going to go to Uganda then. Well, okay, fine. Uh, Ugandans don't want you racist around anyway. Uh, Let's see. Axios says the development is a milestone for Americans who identify as non-binary and gender non-conforming, all three of them. And the White House Tuesday called it a major step in the former vice president's efforts to expand their access to accurate ID documents. Right. Uh, Department of Homeland Security announced a series of moves to improve the travel experience for transgender people, something that has been notoriously saddled with stress and discrimination. I don't think this really helps that unless you're going to another country that that I, you know, recognizes those identities. Right. So how does this help with that at all? And of course, it doesn't cause any stress or anything like that unless you're a lunatic. Uh, it's, you know, it's, I get it. You want to live your life a certain way. That's fine. But most people who are trans are not going to have an issue for the, the purpose of legal reasons still checking the box of what their biological birth is. Most people are not going to stress over that. Uh, The steps include updating the TSA advanced imaging technology to increase security and efficiency by reducing false alarm rates and pat downs for the traveling public. 
Uh, well, I certainly don't want to get padded down anymore. That's that's nice. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, the update will replace the current gender-based system uh, with this more accurate technology. <laughs> I have so many questions. What What is the more accurate technology? Anyway, trans people uh, have have had to go through additional screening due to alarms in sensitive areas and that sort of thing. Oh, okay, I get that. All right. Uh, another step, we'll see TSA update its procedures to remove gender considerations when validating a traveler's ID at airport security checkpoints. Uh, TSA's pre-check and Customs and Border Protection's Trusted Traveler Program enrollment will also let people choose X gender markers. Does this include people who are at the southern border who are getting ready to walk across the southern border illegally after this uh, executive order, it's, it, it expires. You realize you've got both of the liberal senators from Arizona, both of them are now begging the Biden administration to fix this problem. Both of them. That's something for uh, that's something for the ages, ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> oh, wait, can I say ladies and gentlemen? I, I don't think I'm allowed to say that anymore. Uh, whatever you Ewoks identify as. MNC News Time is 3.31. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Do you want to thank R&B Car Company, locations in South Bend and Warsaw? R&B Car Company are your used car experts. You can find them online at rbcarcompany.com. I talked about this a little on the early show today. Hillary Clinton has been issued a fine by the Federal Elections Commission for lying about the dossier. So has the Democratic National Committee. You would think that this would be the biggest story for any of the cable news networks that cover politics, but of course it's not because they don't want you to know that Hillary Clinton has now been fined by the federal government for lying the Federal Election Commission has fined the DNC and the Hillary Clinton campaign for lying about the funding behind the Steele dossier that they used to try to spread the Russia collusion hoax. Now, here's the thing. One of the other reasons you're not going to get the media to really cover this is because the news media, you still run into it on a regular basis with the blue checkmark brigaders on Twitter. They still allege that the Steele dossier was funded by Republicans. It wasn't. It was funded by the Democrats. Initially, as the opposition research started, there was some Republican funding. They pulled out before the dossier had even started to take form, and the Democrats took over and funded the entire project. The Democrats are the ones that went and got Russian intelligence officers to give them information, which ended up not being real because... The Democrats thought it would be cool to be partners with Putin so long as Putin was going to give them stuff that would hurt Trump. And it turns out that Putin was just lying to them, which is typically what you would expect from Putin anyway. So this is, of course, the dossier that was used against uh, Trump for the uh, Russia collusion thing. Most of you know that, but just in case there's a few people who might still be confused. Uh, the election agency said that the Clinton and DNC, that 
The Clinton campaign and the DNC violated strict rules on describing expenditures of payments funneled to the opposition research firm Fusion GPS through their law firm. Uh, the combined $1,024,407.97 was paid by the treasurers of the DNC and the Clinton campaign to law firm Perkins Coy for Fusion GPS's information. Of course, Fusion GPS's information ended up being a giant load of crap. The Coolidge Reagan Foundation filed a complaint three years ago, and the finding was just announced to the foundation, although their official finding wouldn't be published for a month. Dan Backer, who brought the complaint, celebrated by saying, this may well be the first time that Hillary Clinton, one of the most evidently corrupt politicians in American history, has actually been held legally accountable, and I'm proud to have forced the FEC to do their job for once. The Coolidge Reagan Foundation proved that with pluck and grit, he actually said pluck. This guy said pluck? Pluck and grit? I mean, I realize that you've got Coolidge in the name of your foundation, but pluck? Americans who stand with integrity can stand up to the Clinton machine and other corrupt political elites. Well, look, you can stand up to the Clinton machine until they pay off a couple of the security guards outside of your cell to go to sleep and turn off the lights, and then you end up dead. So, yes, that you, be careful. Uh, Backer, the Washingtons, uh, Chalmers, and Adams Law Firm held out hope for further action against the former first lady. He said that Hillary Clinton and her cronies willfully engaged in the greatest political fraud in history, destroying our nation's faith in the electoral process, and it's high time they were held accountable. I hope this is only the beginning. Yes. Now, uh, for the fines. Okay, The fines are small, but for me, it's it's not about the dollar amount. Okay, for, for me and for most of you, what you should be acknowledging here is this is the first time that the federal government has put pen to paper to say the Democrats and Hillary Clinton lied to all of you. And the news media who repeated that lie in spite of all of the evidence to the contrary, they all lied to you as well. And that's why they're not going to cover this. One, they don't want to they don't want to smear Hillary Clinton's name. They're still throwing her out there as a potential future presidential candidate. And they don't want to admit that every time they ran a story or they posted a social media post that said Republicans funded the dossier, they do not want to admit that they were lying to all of you. So the fines. The Clinton campaign has been fined $8,000. The Democratic National Committee has been fined $105,000. So not large amounts, but still enough to legitimize the fact that this was a complete and total fraud. And it dominated news coverage. For years, you still have people out there talking about this and talking about how his Republicans were responsible and the dossier was somehow legitimate. It never was. And I, I it's amazing to me, and CNN has basically made all of this footage disappear. There's got to be somebody out there who has it, but i got to go through the old archives of my show prep. When the dossier first came out, everybody dismissed it as complete garbage. There's no evidence. None of it was supported with facts at all. BuzzFeed partnered with CNN. CNN got baited into doing it. CNN partnered with BuzzFeed. They released the dossier jointly, but really this is a BuzzFeed product, okay? Once it got discovered that the dossier was not true, which took about four, 24 to 48 hours, 
CNN actually brought the head of BuzzFeed on. I don't remember if it was Anderson Cooper or if it was Jake Tapper. And they said, you lied to us. This is fake news. None of this is real. And then it was just a matter of weeks after that, all of a sudden, CNN went all in on the dossier being legit, being authentic, being verified, and everything else. And it never was. It never was. So if nothing else, take some solace in the fact that finally, because of a partisan group, admittedly, finally, the Federal Elections Commission has been forced to admit that Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee lied to all of you all of those years ago don't forget to go to rumble we're live streaming on rumble rumble.com slash casey the host and i have published a couple of really good videos for you today on rumble i would hope that you would check them out as well in the commercial breaks or after this show is over rumble.com slash casey the host hit that subscribe button more coming up Newstalk 95.3 michiana's news channel Control F, hell, all C. Ah, wouldn't you know it? Day two, they still haven't done a report about Nancy Pelosi's son's business partner getting convicted for fraud. Why was he convicted for fraud? Laundering money through Ukraine. Huh. Huh. Look at that. I'm on CNN's website right now. No mention of it. Day number two. Now, what we do have, though, is we have a lot of other places that are kind of picking up on the story. Just so you know, for those of you who are just kind of tuning in here, okay, in the past week and a half, two weeks, Hunter Biden's business partner, who did business with him in Ukraine, convicted of fraud. Paul Pelosi Jr.'s business partner, Nancy Pelosi's son, who did business in Ukraine, Convicted of fraud. Isn't that interesting? So here's uh, here's an article here. Jacob Bruns, career politician Nancy Pelosi, was famous for her corruption, has handed it down to her son, who is on par with the infamous Hunter Biden, mired in his own scandals, according to the National File. Now, one of Paul Pelosi Jr.'s business partners and friends, Asa St. Clair, has been charged by the Department of Justice with wire fraud, and he faces 20 years in prison. And again, this is because he was running a money scam, a fraud scam, in Ukraine, which is exactly what Ukrainian members of parliament and even their top law enforcement, like their version of the attorney general, they've been accusing the Biden family, including the former vice president, of this money laundering, and they've accused the Bidens and Democrats of stealing $50 million from their country. $50 million. And they've been trying to present their case against the Biden family in the United States for a couple of years now, going back even to the Trump administration. Uh, They haven't been able to get visas to do that. And of course, now with uh, the the conflict and everything else, it's uh, it's become quite difficult. Plus, you've got, you know, the former vice president in in power right now. Uh, Pelosi Jr.'s company, the Corporate Governance Initiative, or CGI, 
I, you know, when you look at these acronyms, some of these companies, I, you have, I don't think that you can underestimate the wordplay. CGI. Also shared a great deal of leadership overlap with St. Uh, St. Clair's World Sports Alliance, or the WSA, a front for the criminal cryptocurrency IGO bit, as well as involvement in questionable international diamond mining operations. Nancy's son has a long history of dealing with Ukrainian leadership. He traveled to Kiev in 2017, allegedly, to discuss, discuss youth soccer initiatives when he was executive director at the CGI, working in concert with St. Clair. So uh, still, we're a couple of days into this thing. Still no mention of it uh, in left-wing media. Isn't that interesting? I, I know it's not surprising, but nonetheless, I do find it to be very interesting. In the meantime, let's take a look at Hunter Biden. Okay, National Pulse is a new story on Hunter Biden. Uh, email reveals Hunter's Chinese Communist Party business partner sought meeting with H and the family. Okay, now remember, we have bank records that show Chinese Communist Party officials giving large sums of money directly to Hunter Biden that Hunter Biden and his family spent. Not for business purposes, a personal payment, donation, whatever you want to call it. The email, uh, emails found on Hunter Biden's hard drive reveal that his Chinese Communist Party linked business partner, uh, Ye Zhengming of the CEFC Chinese Energy, offering to meet with H and the family in New York. The emails are dated May of 2017. It show correspondence between James Gillier, a partner on the CEFC venture, and Raymond Zhao, who serves on CEFC's general manager's office. CEFC, which boasts extensive ties to the People's Liberation Army, is the same entity referenced in the New York Post expose highlighting how Hunter Biden leveraged his father's name to ink deals with the Chinese government. The article also outlines how Joe Biden, or quote, the big guy, may have benefited financially from the deal. Now, remember, the guy who's just been convicted, who is a business partner of Hunter Biden, has specifically said any references to the big guy in any of these emails or any of these conversations that Hunter or his entities had with these foreign uh, dignitaries and business people and politicians was, in fact, a reference to the former Vice President Joe Biden. In the email thread, H appears to be a reference to Hunter Biden. Uh, Zhao writes that the director would like to extend the following message to H before insisting, yay, the chairman uh, would be more than happy to meet H and the family. So uh, the email has been published over at the National Pulse. You are able to see it. Friendly reminder that while the FBI seems to have temporarily at least misplaced Hunter Biden's laptop, Rudy Giuliani has the hard drive, so keep that in mind. Uh, there is still plenty of information about all of this. So we've got IP addresses, we've got email addresses, we've got everything in this email, which corroborates what is going on here. Um, and you know, here here's the question that you have to ask. You know, obviously you've got these individuals, this particular person, this uh, this uh, CEFC guy, uh, was it Yay Yi, whatever his name is. This is the guy that gave Hunter Biden like $100,000. And we got the bank records for that. And that was personal money that Hunter Biden spent. Uh, they called it a family spending spree. 
I think around the world or in Europe or something like that. So this is the guy that gave that money. And now here he is in an email saying, hey, I would love to meet the Biden family in New York City in 2017. So if you've got a, a Chinese Liberation Army connected individual giving money to Hunter Biden and meeting with the Biden family in New York City in 2017, what is that connection? What is being done? Is, is there a national security risk? Are there the possibilities that the Bidens or at least one of the Bidens might be compromised as a result of this? And if nothing else, it should be looked into. And if it's looked into and investigated, we find out that there isn't anything seriously wrong here that, you know, hey, this was considered a, a legitimate business entity that was allowed to operate, allowed to function. The the money that was gifted to Hunter Biden uh, was not inappropriate in any way, shape or form. The, the, if, if you investigate it, that's one thing, because then we can still speculate about what wasn't uncovered in the investigation. But they haven't even bothered to look at it. And given the accusation, which is as of yet unconfirmed, but given the accusation that there are Department of Defense codes that are on Hunter Biden's laptop, you know, you, you start to wonder what's going on here. He's got codes that he shouldn't even have access to as a civilian, if that's true, okay, if that story is true. He's got those codes on his personal computer, and he's doing business and accepting payments from people who are directly connected with the Chinese Liberation Army, which of course is the military in China, which is run by the Chinese Communist Party. And you have to start wondering what's going on there with that relationship. And is there something seriously, seriously wrong that could compromise the country or the Biden family or what have you? Even if Joe Biden himself isn't directly involved, even though Hunter Biden's business partner says he is directly involved. But even if he isn't, doesn't the Secret Service have to at least protect him and make sure that his relatives aren't compromised. The whole lot of Chinese spies have relationships with Democrats in Washington, D.C. these days. Got more coming up, 95.3 MNC. All right, got a couple of people on the live stream asking a couple of questions about the strategic oil reserve. Uh, so very interesting. Um, and, and keep in mind that this is this is not a hundred percent finalized yet. So everything I've told you about Democrats blocking Trump filling up the strategic oil reserve is true. Uh, some people are saying though that that uh, it's been claimed that Trump actually got it filled. Well, I found his executive order to fill the strategic oil reserve. I see how it was stripped out of the the uh, stimulus bill the following month. And I've got this article from June 25th of 2021. Okay. And it's from Bloomberg. Trump's thwarted oil buy would have given Biden $6 billion bonanza. Okay. Now. Here's the, here's the article. So this should hopefully clear up 
what we have, but you know, maybe something else happened that I'm not aware of. Um, I, it looks like they started via executive order to fill the reserve. They didn't finish it. Biden seeks to sell some emergency oil to fund infrastructure. We talked about that. Biden sold that oil overseas. We don't have that anymore. He did that before the, uh, the conflict in Ukraine. Uh, Republicans last year sought to buy cheap crude for the reserve. This is Jennifer A. Dlawi and Ari Natter over at Bloomberg. A bipartisan compromise unveiled on Thursday called for selling oil from the U.S. emergency stockpile to fund billions of dollars in road work and other infrastructure. But Democrats missed their shot at a bonanza and a $6 billion down payment on the infrastructure package by killing a plan last year, which would have been in 2020, to buy crude for the reserve at rock bottom prices. The foregone purchase of as much as $3 billion worth of oil, which was urged by Republicans and the Trump administration as a way to help the industry reeling from crude glut at the start of the pandemic, was blocked by congressional Democrats who didn't want to use federal money to prop up fossil fuels. Now, again, uh, what Trump was trying to do is oil was trading in negative $36 because nobody was using it. There was these stockpiles of oil. The pandemic lockdowns were happening. So Trump's position was, we're never going to get oil this cheap. We can take $3 billion and we can completely max out our strategic oil reserve. And Democrats stripped it from the stimulus bill. So some people were posting and saying, hey, it, 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 I'm finding out that he filled it. He had an executive order for it, but it apparently didn't happen. Congress didn't fund it. Senate Democratic leader Chuck Schumer crowed to his colleagues that the deal blocked a bailout of big oil. That is the direct quote, bailout for big oil. It was a missed buying opportunity. At the time, buying $3 billion worth of West Texas intermediate crude would have brought 122.5 million barrels for the Strategic Petroleum Reserve at $24.49 each, okay? And likely require finding additional storage space. If sold at today's price, now again, this is last year, of about $73.60 per barrel, that crude would generate slightly more than $9 billion for a profit of about $6 billion. And again, this is when they sold the oil last year. So it would obviously be a lot higher today if they were to choose to sell it today. So the Democrats blocked it, okay? Trump did try to do it. So if Trump is saying in a speech that he filled it, um, he's misspeaking, he tried to fill it. Democrats blocked it. Unless something happened after this that I'm not aware of, okay? But uh, this is this is Bloomberg in June of 2021, which, of course, is in the middle of the Biden administration. So um, as far as I know, Democrats completely and totally blocked refilling the strategic oil reserve. We lost out on uh, you know $6 billion that they could have used by selling the same amount of oil that they did last year for the infrastructure package, which may have helped Republicans come along with it. Uh, and at the same time, we now have a major issue with oil and gas prices all over the country and the world. So I don't really care about the rest of the world. I care about us. But at the same time, this could have all benefited us if we had just simply done what Trump wanted us to do. And instead, Democrats decided to play partisan politics with it. And we all got hosed as a result. So, um, yeah, I hadn't heard that he was claiming that he did fill it. I know that he tried. He tried uh, getting it in the stimulus package. He tried executive orders, but the Democrats blocked it. So um, good questions, though. I'm glad that you uh, you challenged me on it. We were able to find an answer for you. So thank you for that.
Okay, what else do we have here? <clears throat> Kevin McCarthy. I have to revisit this story. I'm not going to stop talking about this one. I want you all to just be perfectly aware of that. This story is not going to go away for me. When I started talking to you years ago about the secret fund that Congress has that both Republicans and Democrats knew about, that both Republicans and Democrats voted to fund, that both Republicans and Democrats utilized, when we found out about this secret fund in Washington, D.C. for members of Congress to secretly pay off people that they had sexually assaulted or sexually harassed and keep it all on on the hush-hush down low so nobody knew about it. When we found out about that, I was outraged. I know a lot of people were outraged. And the thing that was frustrating with the news media is the news media kept asking Pelosi about it and that sort of thing. And, you know, she'd be like, yeah, this is totally wrong. Pelosi funded the stupid thing. Pelosi knew it existed. They all knew it existed. And here's the thing. Not one Republican, not one Democrat, Male, female, moderate, extremist, doesn't matter. Not a single one of them exposed that secret slush fund to pay off people that have been harassed or assaulted by members of Congress. Not a single person exposed the existence of that fund to the general public. Not one. Now, you would, you would assume that there would be some decent people who get to Washington, D.C., and look around and go, wait a minute, we have a secret fund to pay off people who are sexually assaulted or harassed by members of Congress so that way their silence can be bought and the general public doesn't know about the attack? Not one person went to a microphone and said, hey, you're not going to believe this corrupt crap. Not a single person, Republican, Democrat, male, female, doesn't matter. They all kept it hidden from you. And you have to ask yourself why that was. Then... You didn't have anybody, Republican, Democrat, male, female, use the knowledge of who had utilized that fund to get those people who are sometimes sexual predators out of Congress. They kept it quiet through all of those re-election campaigns and never exposed that that person had been accused of or had committed an harassment or an assault on an aide or a co-worker or a staffer or an intern. Not once. So when Representative Cawthorn comes out and says, yeah, I've been invited to orgies and I've watched members of Congress snort coke in front of me, I told you the response should be from leadership, oh, who, when did this happen, and start conducting investigations. But that's not what went down. We'll talk more about this coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. <clears throat> All right. The reason I want to continue talking about this story is, as I've told you before, I've given you insider stories about politics and some of the corruption that goes on and some of the crazy stuff that goes on um, inside politics. And some of that is, you know, look, if you're an adult, you got uh, certain proclivities or kinks or whatever. That's that's your business. It's whatever. Uh, but you can't get upset at somebody for saying, hey, there's a real messed up culture happening here in Washington, D.C. And that's what Madison Cawthorn did. Now, is it possible that Madison Cawthorn is lying? What's his motivation for lying? What is Madison Cawthorn's motivation to go out there and say that, hey, I'm in D.C. and there's these people that I respect and they invited me to a sex party. And then I saw another member of Congress snort a line of coke in front of me. What's his motivation for saying that? He didn't out who they were. What would be his motivation for saying something like that? And then consider all of the other examples of uncovered sexual depravity. What was uh, who was that female Democrat who got caught diddling all of her aides? Remember that? She was forced out finally because it's, it's against the rules. You can't have a sexual relationship with your staffers in Washington, D.C., whatever her name is. I don't know. The one that's got the weird, like, the butt nose thing going on. And she's trying to get back in. She's trying to get back in, right? And what happened? A lot of people, a lot of people, and just to throw a bone to you Democrats out there, including Representative Matt Gates, who's her friend, showed up to defend her and said, no, 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 you're, you're, bas- you're shaming this woman for her sexual activity. No, she broke the rules. She broke the rules. She had multiple affairs against her husband, and she did it, breaking the rules with staffers and things like that. But how many stories have we talked about in Washington, D.C. about these sorts of things? If you ask me, based on what I have heard over the years, people that I know in D.C., and just the stories that I have covered, if you ask me, Madison Cawthorn's assertion that these things happen are a heck, lot, a heck of a lot more plausible than they are not plausible. Now, the reason that I was initially very upset about this is because the response from Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader on the Republican side, who thinks he's going to be a majority leader after the midterms, and he may be, his initial response wasn't to go, I'm going to talk to him and figure out if this is really happening so we can get these people dealt with. That wasn't his response. His response was, we're going to get Madison Cawthorn in line. This Republican from, I think, South Carolina, we're going to get him in line because he can't run around and say stuff like this. So here's just a, a little bit of a reminder. Okay, this is a national file. Republican House Minority Leader Representative Kevin McCarthy is outraged at Republican North Carolina, not South Carolina, North Carolina Congressman Madison Cawthorn discussed his experiences witnessing the cocaine-fueled orgy scene in Washington, D.C. Madison Cawthorn criticized the House of Cards-style sexually decadent drug-filled lifestyle of the Washington political class in a podcast, sparking furor among many Washington Republicans. Now, can I just say this? Who gets upset about an allegation about other people that aren't you? I got producers in here nodding their heads. If somebody makes an yeah, if somebody makes an allegation that people are snorting lines of coke and and inviting them to sex parties in Washington D.C., would it make sense that the people who are outraged about it might be the people involved? 
why would you be upset if they're not referring to you? Wouldn't your first reaction be, holy smokes, who's doing that? Right? Typical office politic type stuff, rumor mill stuff. Wait, this guy's outing people that we serve with who are, who are doing this? Who's he talking about? Wouldn't you want to have a meeting with him? Like, dude, who are you speaking about, man? Who's doing that? Come on. I won't tell anybody. Just, who's doing it? Why is that not the reaction of Kevin McCarthy? Why is that not the reaction of Tom Tillis? Why is that not the reaction of other members of Congress on the Republican side? Why is that? Why are there so many of them that are jumping up and going, he's a disgrace and he needs to be kicked out of Washington, D.C.? Does that not scream guilty? I realize that there's a lot of you out there that are fans of Tom Tillis, but I'm telling you what, something stinks in Tom Tillis land right now. And I'll get to that here in a second. I don't know, maybe he didn't wash out his nose before he, after he snorted that coke. McCarthy even called, not that I'm saying Tom Tillis did coke, I'm just saying. One of the two. <clears throat> McCarthy even called Cawthorn in for a special disciplinary meeting in his office on Wednesday. Why are Republicans so nervous about Cawthorn's revelations? Isn't that a great question? It's one that I asked when the story broke. Will Cawthorn go the distance and actually name names involved in the alleged cocaine orgy scene? Look, if he's lying, he's lying. But I'm telling you right now, this this very much looks like he's telling the truth. Now, keep in mind, most people in D.C., a little bit older, not necessarily attractive. I know that he's in a wheelchair. This is a young, attractive dude. There is... It is not outside of the realm of possibility that he would have been invited to a party like this. Now, if it's staffers and set of members of Congress or what have you, okay, maybe. But he said it was members of Congress, people that he knew and respected. McCarthy whined about various supposed problems with Cawthorn, who has recently criticized Ukraine's globalist puppet leader, Zelensky. McCarthy said in the interview he claims he watched people do cocaine. Now then, when he comes to tell me, he says no. He thinks he saw maybe a staffer in a parking garage from 100 yards away tell me that he doesn't know what cocaine is. Okay. McCarthy is saying that I asked him who these people were and he's not telling me. So McCarthy's next move is to go out there and say that Cawthorn is, is lying. There's a good chance that Cawthorn is just not a snitch. That's entirely possible. However, Cawthorn clearly said in his podcast interview that he witnessed cocaine use right in front of him. So McCarthy's version does not match with what Cawthorn initially said. Now, for those of you who don't know, Zelensky is a globalist puppet. Okay, I'm not saying that he, he's not defending his country or anything else. Zelensky has allowed some of the stuff that happened under Poroshenko to continue in Ukraine. That doesn't mean that Zelensky is not trying to get out of it. Um, and, I, and I think that it's unfair to assign some of the stuff that happened in previous administrations to Zelensky. But he clearly kept some of the behavior going. Okay, And you can't fault somebody for saying that that makes him a bit of a puppet. Maybe he's trying to get to a point where Ukraine can peel away from that. That's possible. I don't know. But if Cawthorn says, hey, Zelensky is a globalist puppet, I got news for you. There's receipts all over the place for that. It's one of the reasons that I've been trying to tell you, look, there's there's a, what you're hearing from Western media about Ukraine is not true. What you're hearing from Russian media about Ukraine isn't all true. There is a truth in the middle here. And you're not getting that. 
because it's all designed to spin you up and beat the war drums and, and everything else. But this is where you start, you start to look at this, right? So now let's go over to San Francisco Gate, okay? Not a, a conservative publication by any stretch of the imagination. Weird plot twist with Kevin McCarthy, Madison Cawthorn, cocaine, and orgy saga. The strange saga between House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy and inflammatory freshman GOP Representative Madison Cawthorn continues apace. They then give the backdrop on it and whatever, okay? Now, it seems that the California Republican leader has reprimanded the lawmaker, and the details surrounding their reported brief exchange have gotten stranger by the minute. Political reporter Olivia Beavers wrote early on Wednesday that the two, along with House Minority Whip Steve Scalise, Republican of Louisiana, met for a half hour. During that meeting, Beavers reported that McCarthy expressed losing trust in Cawthorn. He's going to have to earn it back, McCarthy said. I mean, he's got a lot of members very upset. Why are a lot of members very upset that Madison Cawthorn said he was invited to a sex party and he saw people doing cocaine? Could it be that they're the individuals he's speaking about? You have to ask, right? To make things even stranger, CNN Capitol Hill reporter Melanie Zanona reported Wednesday that McCarthy issued an odd warning. Cawthorn, quote, needs to take steps to turn his life around or else there could be consequences. Now, I've tried telling people before, when you vote for somebody, keep in mind Madison Cawthorn is a freshman. When you vote for somebody and they go to Washington, D.C., they can't be who they want to be. There's, there's going to be a couple of years there. Leadership controls everything that they do. And if they don't fall in line, they don't play ball, they don't get any money for re-election. So you've got McCarthy threatening Cawthorn. And here's where things get interesting because Senator Tom Tillis, Republican of North Carolina, is on the Senate side of things. He's endorsed Cawthorn's primary uh, Republican opponent. Hmm. Now, again, Tom Tillis, North Carolina, Cawthorn, North Carolina. Makes you wonder if Tom Tillis is one of the people that Cawthorn is talking about. Because Tom Tillis is really mad. He's really angry. He's really upset. And they're in close proximity. They're part of that same state's delegation. You have to wonder. I'm not saying that Tom Tillis is doing all of this, but boy, he sure is behaving like he's one of the guilty parties that Cawthorn is referencing. MNC News Time is 431. Time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. Uh, sometimes you just don't get the breadth of what happens in this room unless you watch the live stream, ladies and gentlemen. Go to rumble.com slash Casey the host and watch the live stream. Hey, don't forget that we're doing a giveaway for Rumble subscribers, and tomorrow is the last day. So you need to go to rumble.com slash Casey the host, find the subscriber giveaway video. Make sure you're subscribed to my channel. 
comment on that video, and you'll be registered to win that amazing piece of art from silverfoxart.com. Um, what would happen if a Republican, oh, I don't know, Donald Trump Jr., what would happen if Donald Trump Jr. was having an event and a bunch of homeless people showed up and Donald Trump Jr. looked at him and said, go home. What do you, what do you think would, what do you think CNN and MSNBC and everybody else would, would do? I'm pretty sure that Brian Stelter um, would get very high-pitched in his voice. He'd be very excited. So what, what would happen if it were a Republican who did that? Well, Maxine Waters did just that. <laughs> I can't play the audio because there's some language and it's hard to kind of clean it up. But uh, Representative Maxine Waters, Democrat of the People's Republic of California, even though she doesn't live in her district, told a large crowd of homeless Americans to go home after they became irritated. The crowd was upset after a misunderstanding over Section 8 housing vouchers. Uh, Waters later threatened a local journalist and told them not to report on the story. What would happen? What would happen if a Republican threatened a journalist to not run a story after a Republican told homeless people to, quote, go home? Also, not a story being covered um, by the news media. So just one last thing on Madison Cawthorn. Just in case some of you are going, okay, Casey, what's going on here? Why are they going after? Why is he even being primaried? Great question. Why is Madison Cawthorn being primaried? Let's take a look at his uh, scores, shall we? Uh, Freedom Works, which, by the way, has a really, really weird scoring system. I don't like the way the Freedom Works scores their uh, conservative uh, members. It, it's it's really very strange the way that they do it. Very conservative people get low scores with Freedom Works, but they give them a 67%. Progressive Punch hates Madison Cawthorn. He's got a 1% rating with them. Some more familiar organizations that do ratings on uh, conservative members of Congress. Numbers USA. Madison Cawthorn's got a 95%. Heritage Action for America. That's the Heritage Foundation, 96%. Um, Americans for Prosperity, great organization. They give them 100%. The Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU, gives them an 11%. In other words, Madison Cawthorn is an outsider who is not a part of the political class, who is attacking the political class, and the political class is organizing around destroying him. Meanwhile, conservative organizations have clearly and definitively said that he is one of them and one of the more conservative members of the House. John Birch Society, 85%. Eagle Forms, 95%. Independent Petroleum Associates of America, 100%. You start looking at some of this stuff and some of the the ratings that he is getting. He's not a part of the swamp. So this is a guy who is a conservative activist. He goes to Washington. He's a freshman. He goes on a podcast because as a freshman, he's making himself available to, to podcast. And as a conservative, he's challenging the political class who is solely focused on enriching themselves and keeping you down. He's challenging them, and he's pointing out some of them do some pretty depraved things in Washington, D.C. And he's talking about the culture there being very disappointing to him. And what was the immediate reaction? The immediate reaction was to attack him, 
to destroy him, to endorse primary opponents, to make sure there is a primary opponent. Why does a Republican run against an incumbent Republican when the incumbent Republicans' scores amongst the biggest conservative and Republican organizations in the country are as high as Madison Cawthorn's? There is only one answer, and that is because the purple people leaders inside of Washington, D.C., the fake Republicans, the fake conservatives, the ones who are moderates or even left, the ones who are in cahoots with the Democratic Party, they do not want this guy there. Period. That is the entire reason that they are going after this guy. He let a couple of their little secrets out without naming names. Just let everybody know, hey, this is happening. I'm not snitching, but this is happening. Look at the ratings that this guy has with some of these organizations. They're a lot higher than the more well-known conservative voices in Congress on both sides of the aisle. So he outranks them in his conservative scores with a lot of these groups. I wonder if they're going to come to bat for him. Or will those conservative groups kind of back off now and not just factor in his voting record? Who primaries a conservative candidate with scores that high? The swamp does. We've seen it a thousand times. They are going for him because he is not falling in line. That's this, the sole reason that they're doing it. This is what happens when you have individuals who go to Washington, D.C. and do not play ball with the swamp. They attempt to destroy them. And Madison Cawthorn has not, as of yet, set himself up in a way like AOC did, where he can resist the swamp. He needs to, though. There needs to be more people. Look, AOC did something. She showed everybody who's a freshman in Congress how to build alliances and solidify a power base and not have to go along with party leadership and do their own thing. Republicans need to learn. Pay attention to this story. You're watching the character assassination of a conservative with very, very high rankings in conservative organizations simply because he's too conservative. Got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Watch the live stream at rumble.com slash Casey, the host. We're coming up next, 95.3 MNC. Was it too much to make fun of half of the... Well, it's really, it's two-thirds of the building when I when I take down IU and Notre Dame when it comes to basketball. Then there's like the few people in Michigan are like, yeah. <laughs> we have some diehard basketball fans in this building. Diehard basketball fans. And when their team loses in the tournament, it's like watching a bunch of mopey babies for like a whole week and a half here. It's crazy. So <clears throat> That's why I like poking fun at them because... Your life does not revolve around other people's successes. I don't know who needs to hear that, but somebody out there in this audience desperately did. All right, what else do we have here? Disney, yeah, Disney still sucks. Um, they're not, they're not picking up on on the way that this country feels about this. They're just continuing to mess up here 
Uh, we played you some of the audio from the the all hands on deck meeting that Disney had, where they admitted that they're. And again, as you know, as parents, as consumers, you do with it what you want. But they admitted that there is a not so secret gay agenda and injecting queerness into the stories and things like that. So parents have to make a decision on whether or not that is okay for their kids. And only parents should make that decision. It's entirely up to you, okay? It's not my job to say what is and is not appropriate for your kids to watch in your in your household. So this is on Fox Business. Um, Disney won't say if it is keeping princes and princesses as boys and girls. Oh. Right? Walt Disney Company has yet to say if it will keep if it will continue to use gendered terms, princes and princesses, as the company halts the use of boys and girls. Now, this is because at the, the parks, so what's happening is, uh, this is part of the conversation of that, that conference call. When you go to Disney parks, they no longer say, welcome, boys and girls, or welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's They use other terms that don't specifically identify gender. And so people are saying, are you going to keep prince and princess? Are you going to keep that? Uh, Disney made headlines after an internal video call from an all-hands-on-deck meeting was leaked where top executives spilled on the Mouse House's choice to axe the terms boys and girls from his theme parks, greetings, as well as um, other stuff to improve inclusivity, they say. All right. So by this is a typical communist logic here. By excluding everybody, you're improving inclusivity. Uh, the company would not say, when asked by Fox Business, if it would continue to use the term princes and princesses, two historically gendered terms that the company uses for some of its biggest brand names. Now, that's an interesting question. By the way, are is, is prince and princess, are they what you would call historically gendered terms? Because if you start to actually look at law in many countries, that's actually a legal term. So I don't know how that would necessarily work out. I don't know that really much matters considering Disney is based here. Additionally, the company did not answer Fox Business's question as to why the company continued to sell clothing items to men, women, boys, and girls. This is the one that has always been funny to me. And and there's been many memes that have been done about this. I have you seen the the there are more than two genders shirts? Have you seen those? Have you seen them? You've seen them, right? You've seen the, there are more than two gender shirts? Have you seen them? Josh has not seen those. Okay, there are shirts that say there are more than two genders, which you have to order in either men's or women's. What? Uh, Facebook, he's asking me how many genders there are. Facebook's like 52 or something like that now. True story. It's like it, it's, don't quote me on 52 specifically, but it's over 50. It's yeah, something like that. But the funny thing is, okay, you have a T-shirt that says there's more than two genders it only comes in men's and women's sizes. So how, how does that work, right? How, if there are 50-some-odd genders out there, okay, if there are, then shouldn't you have shirts that reflect all of those genders? Or else you're being a bigot, according to their logic. That's the whole point. So if you have a shirt that says there's more than two genders, but you can only get it in men's or women's, got news for you, you're a walking oxymoron. Also an oxygen thief, but I digress. So it was a good question. Fox Business just asked a very basic question. 
if you're not going to use boys, girls, men, women over at your theme parks anymore, why are you continuing to sell items at your theme parks in the men's and women's sizes? Right? Great question. That's why Disney didn't answer it, because they don't have an answer, because there isn't one. The other option is to do a, a unisex, or but sex is different than gender, right? So unisex shirts are meant to fit men and women, but sex is science. It's not gender. It's not a social construct, so it would have to be unigender, right? If you're all as confused as I am, then they're accomplishing their mission. That is the point, is to confuse you. That way... No matter what, you're the bad guy, and they get to talk down on you right after they take take a giant sniff of their own fart from their cocktail glass. So Fox Business asked why the company was continuing to sell clothing items to men, women, boys, and girls in its online stores. The company ditches the language in its theme parks. Disney's website still categorizes the company's clothing and other merchandise under men's, women's, girls, and boys, and even offers products specifically labeled, quote, for women. I'm sorry, but that's triggering. You can't do that. But if you go to Disney.com, you'll do it. Now, if you go there, they got a bunch of screenshots. By the way, kudos to Fox Business for doing the screenshot thing instead of just linking to it because obviously Disney's going to try and scrub this at some point in time. But remember what uh, Governor DeSantis said the other day when he was being interviewed on Tucker Carlson about this? He's like, you know, we just don't want to sexualize kids who are kindergarten through third grade. So we're not going to teach any sexually explicit material. It doesn't matter if it is homo or heterosexual. And we're not going to get into the trans issues or any of that in kindergarten through third grade. And he's like, what I find interesting is that, you know, Disney and, and all of these celebrities and stuff like that really want to, like, boycott and protest Florida for doing this. But Disney still takes your money, will stick you on a ship and float you across the water to another country where being gay is actually a crime and can be can end up with you in prison or even possibly executed. He's like, so Disney's OK with that. We're the bad guys in Florida because we don't want to hypersexualize children. And as I've said before, you know, you have to take a step back. You have to look at people's behavior. If your initial reaction to not wanting to sexualize a kindergartner is one of offense, there's a good chance that you're a pedophile. I don't know how else to say it. If you're, I don't know, Senator Tom Tillis and your initial reaction to a member of the other House of Congress saying, I see people snort cocaine here, and your first reaction is to go, this guy must go, eh, what are you saying about yourself there? Disney's not getting this. And Disney paid a steep, steep price the last time that they attacked um, what you would call the political opposition when they fired Gina Carano from The Mandalorian. Their subscriptions went way, way down. And some of those people came back amidst rumors that Gina Carano has been rehired secretly. But this is going to be one of those things where they're going to pay a price. They're going to pay a price for this. But like I said, it's what you do with the information you heard in their press conference, or not the press, but they're, they're all hands on deck, press call, their meeting, their whatever it was, the conference call, that's it. Whatever you do with that information is entirely up to you. It's not for me to, to dictate, obviously, what you and your family watch, but it is something you should at least be aware of so you can be cognizant that they are intentionally trying to put some of this content into their their programming as they admitted to on that phone call. There's no more plausible deniability. They're admitting to it. Got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host. Hit that subscribe button. More in a sec.
And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Uh, I did something today. Should I just talk? Should I talk about myself? I feel like I should talk about myself because I think this is kind of funny. Um, Josh knows the story, and that's that's why. But there's a couple of reasons that I'm telling you this, and it's not to gloat or to pat myself on the back. But I wanted to – there's going to be a little bit of that. But I wanted to – really kind of highlight this because I'm still running into the, why are you on TikTok, Casey? Like what's, why is that? And again, you have to, if you're going to be engaged in that, and just I'll preface this by saying once again, if you're not interested in TikTok, do not get on TikTok. It is absolutely a giant cesspool of crap. Within that, there are really cool things. Okay. Um, you know, whether it's, DIY stuff, life hacks, political commentary, what have you. There, there's good content on there, but the algorithm definitely pushes trash, okay? And it's I don't recommend TikTok for kids. I really don't. Uh, absolutely not. My kids watch TikTok montages with me and their mom supervising on YouTube. <laughs> and even then, it gets really sketchy. So be very careful with the platform. And if you're not interested in being on TikTok and actually, you know, engaging and using, don't, please don't. It's not for you, okay? But for somebody like me who's in this business, and I kind of have to be on social media as a part of my job, and it's becoming harder and harder to do that because of censorship and shadow banning and that sort of stuff, um, TikTok was one of those things that you know that I resisted quite a bit. Finally was convinced to hop on. I had several people saying, like, no, honestly, I think you could do some good here. So I hopped on. It's been growing. Um, the goal was ultimately to really do an experiment and see if I can get to 1,000 followers, start live streaming there, and see how quick I get banned, right? That, that ended up being the goal. And something changed with that. Um, I responded to the TikTok influencer that was sent out, one of the 30 that was sent out by the Biden administration to lie to everybody about inflation and oil and gas prices, and that blew up. And here's the thing. Um, yeah, you run into a lot of oxygen thief idiots in the comments, but the other thing is you run into a lot of younger people. And this is the key. This is where the culture war is. The culture war is on TikTok and then on Instagram following that. The culture war is not on Facebook. It is not on Twitter. It is in Hollywood. It's in music. And it's in those two social media platforms. That's kind of where it is. You could argue that there's some other social media platforms where it's happening, but those are the two big ones that you really have to deal with. And... TikTok does things very differently in that if I create content on TikTok, there's something called a for you page. So you can choose to look at only the content from people that you follow, or you can go to the for you page. And that's where they'll just push whatever content they think you'll like and other stuff that you have no interest in. And they will throw it right at you. Okay. And a lot of that is going to be hypersexualized thirst traps and things of that nature. That's where you have to be, be, be careful. But that's also where a bunch of people find my content. Now, what ended up happening is yesterday, I told the story about the fake pandemic of 1976. Well, it blew up. It went viral. Um, and TikTok pulled it down at right around 100,000 views this morning. So it, it, it blew up. It, it went viral. I don't use that word lightly because I think people overuse the word viral. But that's, I, I actually talked with some people about it. They agree that's viral. So it went viral. Now, some of you who listen to the show have heard me talk about the fake pandemic of 1976. 
That is where the CDC created a fake pandemic of swine flu that didn't actually happen in order to get Americans to have not one but two experimental vaccines. And as a result, thousands of people got hurt. Thousands. Okay, And they lied about the side effects. They claimed they didn't know about the side effects. They, they were informed about them. Um, they used celebrity endorsements to get people to take the vaccine. The celebrity, Many of the celebrities never got vaccinated and never gave them permission to use their, their uh, image to endorse vaccinations. There's a lot of really awful stuff that happened in 1976. This is all exposed in 1978 by 60 Minutes. I've done this segment on the show many times. So I did that. You see hundreds of young people who are commenting under there. Yeah, there's a few here and there that like, I don't believe whatever, but you've got hundreds of them going, wait a minute, what happened? They've never heard this story. And I know that most of you haven't heard this story either. Those of you who listen to the show, maybe you have. But the reason that I'm there is if I'm not there, 18-year-old models who show their backside for a living will tell young people why inflation is so high. And there's nothing wrong with you wanting to be a butt model when you're 18 years old. Okay, You want to be a butt model when you're 18 years old and make a bunch of money? By all means, please do it. Um, but that's not where people should be getting their political and news information from. So with people like me there, hopefully we can address some of that stuff, right? And in, in the ways that we're uniquely qualified to do so. And that's where I see the biggest potential there is in the comments. There's so many people who are curious and they actually don't get information from anywhere other than TikTok, which is really sad and scary. Um, but honestly, where else should they get it? They can't get it on CNN. They can't get it on MSNBC. Uh, they can't get it on a lot of Fox programming. So everybody is kind of having this crisis of where to get reliable information. And if they discover me, that's, that's 100,000 people that probably never heard of me before, right? Thousands of interactions. A bunch of those people shared it, right? So that goes to more people. The comments of people wanting more information about what actually happened in 1976. How does it pertain to what's happening now? Is there a connection at all? That's, to me, I think that's inspiring. Because I, I'm hoping that I can at least reach some of them. Now, when this happens, um, TikTok pulled it down. But the damage was already done because I, I got tons of new followers and all of those people saw it. I've already appealed it. I think I'm going to win the appeal, but the, the whole point is to stop the, the momentum behind the video. That's why they pulled it down. Um, but now I have enough people to live stream on TikTok. So can you imagine me live streaming on TikTok? This is going to be fun, Josh. Next week, this is going to be a blast. I'm going to live stream on TikTok. And it'll be interesting to see how quickly they kicked me off of the platform. But what I find interesting about this is we learned a couple of things because now people are coming back and they're going, I want more information about this story. Like what happened? And I went back to go share the video. That video has now been taken down everywhere. So the video is disappearing. It's been scrubbed from like YouTube and things like that. There's a couple of people who put versions of it on Rumble. Um, so what I did is I actually went into the Wayback Machine and found the original and I ripped it and I have uploaded it to uh, Rumble. And it's on my website right now. So if you go to the burningtruth.us and you are interested, if you missed the segment, you haven't watched the 60 Minutes piece from 1978 on it, go watch what the CDC did during that fake pandemic. And just take a, you know, take a step back as you're watching. I think it's like 17 minutes or something. Take a step back. 
and see if you see any similarities with what the CDC did in 1976 to what the CDC and others have done now. See if there's any similarities at all. And if there are, ask yourself why. I'm going to send out a newsletter on this as well. But if you go to the burningtruth.us right now, you can see, one, the video that I made that got pulled down. Uh, and two, you can see the actual unedited 60-minute uh, segment on that from 1978. And it was a, back when journalism was journalism. Okay, I think it's not Chris Wallace. Uh, Mike Wallace is the one who did the report. And I'm telling you right now, it, this is the type of stuff that will help people kind of understand what's happening in the world today. And I, I get it if you don't want to be on it. And I said, I don't think that you should be there, but there's still people who kind of ask like, why are you there? Like, what's the point of being there? Well, because that's where the young people are. And I got news for you. The young people are not my audience anymore. I'm not as young as I used to be. So I don't appeal to them. Like I used to, my audience used to be very, very young. Um, right now, my audience uh, is primarily in their forties, according to my data on my podcasting data. I know about the radio station data. Uh, and my secondary tiers are in their 30s. So that's where I'm at. Um, the older I get, the less appealing I am to younger people. And so if I can appeal to younger people on a platform where younger people are engaged, and there are things that TikTok does that benefits people like me. How sad is this? I was, I was telling Josh this earlier. You realize I post like, what, maybe once a week on TikTok? Maybe ballpark, something like that. I, I have more success on TikTok than I do on Telegram and Getter combined, and I've been on those platforms for months. That's stupid. Those are platforms that are supposed to be friendly to conservatives, and the anti-conservative Chinese TikTok has actually been better for me and my message than the conservative platforms are. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts, right? As somebody who's not just a just a normal individual on the street, just somebody's actually in the media, for that to happen, that's really very strange. So there are some things that you can exploit that I can exploit in TikTok that help. Uh, and like I said, you know, if you're not interested, don't do it. It's but if you're on TikTok and you want to follow, it's at Casey the host. Um, I'm trying to put up some some interesting content, not all of it serious. But it has been very interesting to watch the interactions, I think, in the comments on how people kind of view what I do. It's been very interesting. And by the way, inspiring. And I know that that's probably not a word that you get about TikTok a lot. But um, when you see um, young people, particularly young men, black men, um, a lot, they get it. They really do. They get it. But you've got to reach them. And if you don't try, you're just going to be abandoning them to the other side. That's why I'm there. So if you are interested in the story about the 60 Minutes uh, piece on the fake pandemic of 1976, go to theburningtruth.us. It is there in the posts, and you will be able to go ahead and watch that entire thing. And do me a favor. Would you please share it with everybody? Like I said, it's not the same, obviously, but there are some similarities between what happened then and what happened now. And it is an amazing expose on government corruption and what can happen when you have people in positions of authority who are willing to lie to the masses in order to push an agenda. TheBurningTruth.us. More coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
and good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Very interesting thing with uh, Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd has admitted that Democrats are heading for a, quote, shellacking. This is not the first time that he has used that term to talk about the midterms. So he's he's calling uh, calling it a shellacking in November as 71% of voters think that we are headed in the wrong direction. So only 22% of voters think that we are headed in the right direction. So let it be known that the, the population of the U.S. based on this study, 22% of you are really stupid, okay? If you think, here's, there's somebody in this audience going, what are you talking about? Everything's fine. Everything's going in the right direction. None of this, none of this is Biden's fault. Yeah, you're, you're the idiot. Sorry. Your friends are laughing at you. Your spouse is probably cheating on you. The red wave is coming, and it looks like it might be a bigger wave than previously imagined. New polling shows that a huge majority of Americans think the country is headed in the wrong direction. Uh, Chuck Todd pointed this out on MSNBC. And this was an MT, was it, uh, M- MPT Daily poll. Um, but look, you've got inflation going through the roof. I've got, uh, I guess somebody on my, my live stream right now says fertilizer hit an all time high today. And as fertilizer gets more expensive, so does everything that fertilizer needs. It all gets more expensive, every single speck of it. And of course you start talking about cattle and livestock and, uh, plants and, you know, your fruits and your vegetables and all of that stuff. So 71% of the country, and like I said before, you know, the polling seems to show the RCP average is like a plus six points for Republicans. That is a really low number. If the RCP average really is just plus six Republicans, Republicans can still win back, okay? They'll still win the majority, but being only six points ahead, considering everything that is happening, is nuts. Absolutely nuts. But then you start seeing other data like this where you start to look at, hey, 71% of the country says, yeah, not good. And that's on MSNBC. And if 71% of the country really does feel like the country is headed in the wrong direction, there is a good chance that that plus six RCP average is way low. That there's going to be far more people who are going to be voting Republican or at the very least staying home and not voting Democrat. Because uh, things are awful right now. And that's why the messaging that you're getting from the Biden administration, like his ridiculous press conference today, where they're talking about uh, this being, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin's fault and all that stuff. And that's why they are so desperate for that messaging to hit home. And that's why they're pushing so hard on it. Because nothing, nothing is going to change the fact that gas prices were at a seven-year high before anything with Ukraine happened and that we were already breaking the 40-year highs for inflation before anything with Ukraine happened. Nothing is going to change that fact. And everybody who's who's going to go into campaign season running political ads is going to be able to hit that point home if they have an effective message. And at some point in time, people are going to have to look at that and and acknowledge the reality of that situation. Even without Ukraine, without Vladimir Putin, without Russia or any of that stuff, Things were bad. And it's okay to acknowledge that, yeah, the situation in Ukraine is making things worse, but things were at all-time record bads before that even happened. That's just icing on top of the cake, if you will. And they desperately want to erase that fact. So don't let them. It said it's, it's really very simple. 
Uh, you know, first month in office that the former vice president was in office, the first month, gas prices went up 18%. By July of that year, they were up 40% and at a seven-year high. And you can directly trace that to his anti-energy policies. And while they're telling you that we're going to do all of this stuff to lower the price of oil, to lower the price of gas, at the same time, they just proposed a massive new tax hike on the oil industry. So what is that going to do? It's going to raise the price of oil and gas. So they're talking out of both ends both ends of their backside, because I'm assuming that, that Biden's got two holes back there. So left cheek is saying, we're going to lower the price of gas and oil. Right cheek is saying, we're also going to increase the taxes on the oil and gas sector. How does that make any sense? And it's going to be up to you as you go out there and you're talking with people. And, of course, do this, you know, be polite, be professional, that sort of thing. As you're going out there and you're talking to people, you have to know this stuff because this is going to be absolutely critical. I know that people are going to see it in their bank accounts. Uh, So the latest survey, 20% of the country, 20% of the country, this pay period ran out of money before they got paid. You know how long it's been since that's happened? 20%. A lot of families got hit hard with this grocery and gasoline bills. We did. Had a whole conversation with my wife about it earlier this week. Like, okay, it's time to restructure the budget. Now we have to. There's no other options. Because it caught us by surprise. just like it caught a lot of other people by surprise. You know, you you do things normally. And even if it gets tight, you, you're still okay. And then all of a sudden you're not okay. And you've got to figure things out. 20% of the country ran out of money this last pay period, this pay period that we're in right now. They ran out of money before they got paid, which is usually Friday. That's an insane statistic to think about. One-fifth of the country running out of cash before they got paid this week. MNC News Time is 5.31. It's time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I am your host, Casey Hendrickson. Very interesting thing with uh, Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd has admitted that Democrats are heading for a, quote, shellacking. This is not the first time that he has used that term to talk about the midterms. So he's he's calling, uh, calling it a shellacking in November as 71% of voters think that we are headed in the wrong direction. So only 22% of voters think that we are headed in the right direction. So let it be known that the the population of the U.S. based on this study, 22% of you are really stupid, okay? If you think, there's somebody in this audience going, what are you talking about? Everything's fine. Everything's going in the right direction. None of this this is Biden's fault. Yeah, you're, you're the idiot. Sorry. Your friends are laughing at you. Your spouse is probably cheating on you. The red wave is coming, and it looks like it might be a bigger wave than previously imagined. New polling shows that a huge majority of Americans think the country is headed in the wrong direction. Uh, Chuck Todd pointed this out on MSNBC. And this was an uh, MPT Daily poll. Um, But look, you've got inflation going through the roof. I've got uh, somebody on my my live stream right now says fertilizer hit an all-time 
high today. And as fertilizer gets more expensive, so does everything that fertilizer needs. It all gets more expensive, every single speck of it. And, of course, you start talking about cattle and livestock and uh, plants and, you know, your fruits and your vegetables and all of that stuff. So 71% of the country, and like I said before, you know, the polling seems to show the RCP average is like a plus six points for Republicans. That is a really low number. If the RCP average really is just plus six Republicans, Republicans can still win back, okay? They'll still win the majority, but being only six points ahead, considering everything that is happening, is nuts. Absolutely nuts. But then you start seeing other data like this, where you start to look at, hey, 71% of the country says, yeah, not good. And that's on MSNBC. And if 71% of the country really does feel like the country is headed in the wrong direction, there is a good chance that that plus six RCP average is way low. That there's going to be far more people who are going to be voting Republican or at the very least staying home and not voting Democrat because uh, things are awful right now. And that's why the messaging that you're getting from the Biden administration, like his ridiculous press conference today, where they're talking about uh, this being, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin's fault and all that stuff. And that's why they are so desperate for that messaging to hit home. And that's why they're pushing so hard on it because nothing, nothing is going to change the fact that gas prices were at a seven year high before anything with Ukraine happened. And that we were already breaking the 40 year highs for inflation before anything with Ukraine happened. Nothing is going to change that fact. And everybody who's, who's going to go into campaign season Running political ads is going to be able to hit that point home if they have an effective message. And at some point in time, people are going to have to look at that and and acknowledge the reality of that situation. Even without Ukraine, without Vladimir Putin, without Russia or any of that stuff, things were bad. And it's OK to acknowledge that, yeah, the situation in Ukraine is making things worse but things were at all-time record bads before that even happened. That's just icing on top of the cake, if you will. And they desperately want to erase that fact. So don't let them. It said it's it's really very simple. Uh, you know, first month in office that the former vice president was in office, the first month, gas prices went up 18%. By July of that year, they were up 40% and at a seven-year high. And you can directly trace that to his anti-energy policies. And while they're telling you that we're going to do all of this stuff to lower the price of oil, to lower the price of gas, at the same time, they just proposed a massive new tax hike on the oil industry. So what is that going to do? It's going to raise the price of oil and gas. So they're talking out of both ends both ends of their backside, because I'm assuming that, that Biden's got two holes back there. So left cheek is saying, we're going to lower the price of gas and oil. Right cheek is saying, we're also going to increase the taxes on the oil and gas sector. How does that make any sense? And it's going to be up to you as you go out there and you're talking with people. And of course, do this, you know, be polite, be professional, that sort of thing. As you're going out there and you're talking to people, you have to know this stuff because this is going to be absolutely critical. I know that people are going to see it in their bank accounts. Uh, So the latest survey... 20% of the country, 20% of the country, this pay period ran out of money before they got paid. You know how long it's been since that's happened? 20%. 
A lot of families got hit hard with this grocery and gasoline bills. We did. Had a whole conversation with my wife about it earlier this week. Like, okay, it's time to restructure the budget. Now we have to. There's no other options. Because it caught us by surprise just like it caught a lot of other people by surprise. You know, you you do things normally. And even if it gets tight, you, you're still okay. And then all of a sudden you're not okay and you've got to figure things out. 20% of the country ran out of money this last pay period. This pay period that we're in right now. They ran out of money before they got paid, which is usually Friday. That's an insane statistic to think about. One-fifth of the country running out of cash before they got paid this week. MNC News Time is 5.31. It's time to check out Impress Jewelry Creations, creating meaningful jewelry for the moments that will last a lifetime. first actually end up needing surgery but people who go to a surgeon first they tend to get surgery first which of course is much more dangerous much more risky and they still have to deal with lifelong pain go to warrenchiro.com do yourself a favor click on the new patient tab and when you make your appointment just let them know that i sent you warrenchiro.com let them know that i sent you And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Uh, sports guy, Josh, did you see the video of the, the the track person who hit the other kid? You haven't seen that yet? Okay, this this is vid- this is going nuts right now. So this is, if you haven't seen it yet, it's going to show up in your news feeds here soon. So there is a, there's some kind of a race that is happening. And I don't know exactly what went down. This is in Florida. It was last weekend. And there is, they're just running around the track, right? Oh, one of the kids is up front. The other kid comes up behind him and just sucker punches him in the face and knocks him, knocks him down and takes over his position in the race. Obviously, the crowd is furious. So this is the New York Post. A punch occurred at the, some, I, I can't pronounce any of this. So it's somewheres, okay? <laughs> I'm not even going to try. It is a Native American pronunciation, and I will butcher it. I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. So anyway, according to a magazine, the incident happened during a 1600 meter race. Uh, TMZ cites witnesses as saying that the athlete who threw the punch was not involved in the race, so was not actually running in the race. He was reportedly standing on the track, and the runner in first place, who ultimately got punched, told him to move out of the way. So you've got somebody standing on the track who's blocking the athletes.
athlete that is apparently supposed to be there. So obviously people are furious about this. Um, and I will let you, based on the reactions of, I should say the lack of reaction from your standard media at the moment that this happened, because we're just learning about this, even though it happened last weekend. Um, I will, there is a racial component that is involved. And based on the lack of news coverage over the past several days, I will let you infer what that actually means. But they are not the same race, the two people involved with all of this. So I will leave it at that and let you just kind of infer what it is. But it'll be in the Daily Show prep if you want to actually see the video of it. It's pretty awful. Um, we'll put it in there, though. <clears throat> Walgreens is looking at deploying an army of what they're calling robot pharmacists. And these robot pharmacists are going to be able to fill many prescriptions, including as many prescriptions in one hour as a team of humans can do in an entire day. Now, as somebody who has to routinely pick up a relative's prescriptions at Walgreens, I can say, bring it on, uh, get rid of the humans, and let's have the robots. Now, with that said, can we trust the robots to give us the right drugs? Just... I feel like we have to ask this question, right? <laughs> uh, but they are. They're, so I don't know exactly how many of them are going to be rolled out, but they are going to be rolled out at fulfillment centers across the country. Um, they're going to do 22 of these micro-fulfillment centers that are going to be kind of like the testing ground of this. And we know that it's definitely going to be in Texas and some parts of Texas. I don't know where else it's going to be, but... You're going to start to see this. So in one hour, these robots can fulfill as many prescriptions as human beings can in an entire day. What could possibly go wrong? Uh, which brings me to another robot story, because, again, robots are going to kill everybody. Um, there is a robot dog. Now, you've seen this robot dog. This is the same one that has been used in the Black Mirror, but it's, you know, if you've seen the Black Mirror, you know what I'm talking about. Scary looking thing. So anyway, um, there is a robot dog, according to notthebee.com. This robot dog stuff is really starting to creep people out. Uh, this is a video of a pup patrolling the streets of Shanghai City and barking out orders on COVID safety. So they've got a dog. And if you've seen the Black Mirror, you know which dog that I am talking about. But there is this dog with a megaphone on it, and it is literally roaming the streets of Shanghai in China and issuing COVID orders. Now, I told you to expect this with drones. I don't know that I expected robot dogs to be walking down the street barking orders at everybody, but I, I did expect the drones and human beings behind the drones. But uh, Shanghai City, March 29th, it shows a robot dog carrying a loudspeaker broadcasting messages on how to keep safe during the pandemic. The robo-dog was heard telling residents to wear a mask, wash hands frequently, check temperature, and more safety instructions. And like I said, if you've seen Black Mirror, you've seen this dog not only do that, but then turn into an enforcer and start to kill people. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll see how this all shakes out for us. But hey, you know, humans, I hear, make great batteries. All right, folks, go to rumble.com slash Casey, the host, rumble.com. Slash Casey, the host, hit that subscribe button. We got more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel.
I know that we briefly mentioned what was happening in the North Carolina voter rolls yesterday. I didn't give you any details, though. And this is why I think every eight years there needs to be a mass purge of all voter rolls everywhere across the country. Special exceptions for any special elections that might be coming up. They can delay that. But then you just do a cleanse and everybody has to re-register. Over 60,000 voters in North Carolina are dead, twice registered, or enrolled in another state. That's 60,000 invalid voter registrations in North Carolina. So, obviously, we've seen how few votes it would take to flip a state in any major election. And 60,000 votes will clearly do that in most states. So, again, you have to ask yourself, why is it that one party doesn't want to fix that issue? The other party does want to fix that issue, but doesn't really press the issue all that much. You have to ask those questions, and I think you know the answers to all of that, but... Again, purge them every eight years after you get done with uh, with every two presidential elections. Purge it. Everybody has to re-register. You don't have to worry about it again. And uh, I think we could solve a lot of the problems that we have, folks. If we just do that very, very simple thing. But, of course, that's not the goal. That's not what they're interested in. They're interested in fraud and manipulating elections. And that's why they don't actually try to fix it. All right, folks. TheBurningTruth.us. You can watch the 60 Minutes piece on the fake pandemic of 1976 the us, and if you want to subscribe you can go to rumble.com slash casey the host get my video content and my early show every day here's bill o'reilly